Drive-By Cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. And hello and welcome. Come in, sit down. This is Drive-By Cinema, Season 3, Episode 42. 42, dude. How did we get so far? I say sit down, but obviously if you're doing something that requires you to be standing up, don't suddenly sit down. How did we get so far? As the record says, looks like we almost made it, but don't you try and fake it. No, 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 no. Spouting lyrics like there's no tomorrow is my co-host Paul. Yeah, under medication. I am Rick, and we are watching movies so you don't have to, unless you really want to. And you really don't have to, so... so. And we're also responsibly correcting our errors, Paul. Are we? And I'm, I'm going to have well, to go I, 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 Wait a second, I don't think I've really ever discuss whether I want to be part of this recycling scheme, Richard. Paul, it's... For me, it's you know, send it all to landfill and burn it. That's what I think. <laughs> no, but, go on. Okay, okay. Go no, on. let me ask you this question then. Go on. Going all the way back again... I know what episode 43 meant at my re- recycle toilet paper, Richard. I'm going back to Steve Jobs once oh, more. Oh, 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 oh. Well, go on. I'm not then. talking about technology, though. Oh, I'm now oh. going to talk about the way Christian Bale, was it? convincingly adopted several different looks through different epochs. He did, yes, 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 yes. But his final form for Steve Jobs, would you describe, how would you describe Steve Jobs' final outfit kind of appearance? Polo necky? So you say polo neck. Or was it floral shirty? I don't know. What is a polo neck, Paul? Polo neck is a turtleneck. Ah, exactly. It's a turtleneck. Turtleneck. As, as the Scottish would say. Because a polo neck, surely, is... I mean, a polo shirt is a kind no, of... No, no, I think a polo neck is another name for a turtleneck. How can it be? A polo shirt doesn't have a neck like that. It has like no, a... No, a polo mint. You've got a polo neck. Well, they certainly don't use that phrase in the US, do they? Because they don't, they don't call polo mints polo well, mints, do they? They call oh. them... What do they call them? I think they call them lifesavers. Whoa. I think. Wow, no way. Anyway, turtlenecks came back into fashion during the early 90s when a band called the Mock Turtles were around. <laughs> Who have nothing to do nothing with that to do. kind of fashion. Well, it wasn't the preserve of Rick and Rick, uh, Bob and Rick to do like their French philosopher in the park thing with, in turtlenecks. What is it about? <laughs> Did French philosophers, French philosophers actually wear turtlenecks in the late 60s, early 70s? I don't know. I mean, this is a line of inquiry I haven't thought to research before. Anyway, <laughs> so I said polo neck, it's wrong. I should have said turtleneck. Is that what you're trying to tell me? I think so, yeah. I'm now dousing myself. Oh, no, no, you're right, actually. I just made that stuff about polo necks up. <laughs> but the thing is, when you said polo neck, I you immediately I repeated it back to you. I went, oh, oh wow. yeah, polo neck. And so not just to be polite, because you weren't... And the reason me. Richard does, because he wasn't listening to me. He was just sort of... God, I was listening, but I mean, maybe there is a polo neck. Do we need to do a, I think there a web is. search? I think there really Let's is. Let's do a web search. Let's settle this once and for all. Let maybe us, I should have done this. Let us... Polo neck. Let us consult the authoritative use of the English language Webster's Dictionary from the US. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a roll neck. Yeah. It Polo is. Neck, it's a particular kind neck. of turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not wrong about that. Is it US usage or UK usage? Well, apparently, well, it says roll neck 
UK, South Africa, Turtleneck, United States, Canada. Polo neck, I think, might be both. I, I think. But it's the more generic phrase, in which case. It's the more interna- international phrase. Well, I stand corrected. My correction has been corrected. Not so much shot down in flames, but doused in flammable flammability. Anyway, I got to say turtle in, uh, in Scottish. So. <laughs> which is always a delight. And I got to mention the mock turtles. You've been having a busy weekend, certainly not recording the podcast, but... <laughs> you had a puncher, you said, this weekend. I had a what? Punch up? A puncture. A puncture, yes, a I had a puncture. A flat tyre. I had a puncture. I had a puncture. I had a puncture <laughs> on my bike. I had a puncture on my bike. Yeah, I, my car engine has literally exploded. Ah. As I went down the repair shop, or the MOT bay, and he said, yeah, well, uh, you know how mechanics are, and they sort of... Wipe the surface of the counter between you and clean as they, you know, where you pay the bills in a little quiet office. Almost as if they're washing away the sins. Yeah, he said washing and wiping the tape, the counter. Yeah, well, right, well, I think you better cut your losses on this one. So, I went to his last time and he gave me a new head gasket or cylinder head. I don't don't know what he gave me last time. He gave Uh, you head? Amazing. This time he said, no, it's... Belching out but black smoke. I said it is, and he says it is when it's stationary. He said you might not notice when you're moving, <laughs> when you're uh, leaving the cloud behind. <laughs> you know, uh, he makes a fair point. He said it fills up the workshop. So I said, you know, I, would you be happy to replace the engine with a reconditioned engine? And he said, no, go and find somebody else to do that. <laughs> wow. So, uh, well, it's a fair point because he makes fifty pounds an hour on MLTs. Why would he want to get his hands dirty, you know, and earn less of that per hour on, on uh, whatever it is you have to do with an engine? Hoist it and unhoist it and screw it and unscrew it, yeah. Uh, so, I'm in two minds. It is parked off-road at the moment. Although I think it can be parked on-road with road tax with no MLT. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So, therefore, I, got, I jumped on the bus and then got bored of being on the bus. So I thought, I know, two birds with one stone, I'll ride my bike. Uh, first trip... Uh, unfortunately, was met with a puncture. Could be to do with my increased weight, but I think it's more to do with shards of glass dancing on the road. I don't think increased weight would cause oh, a bike tyre to fail. Might cause the inner sure. to nip a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so, uh, of course, I have a puncture repair kit, but I've, I, I neglected to realise the fact that since the last time I repaired a puncture, I've bought a new bike from Halfords. And my old bike was a nineteen, a very lovely old style, not fixy, but an old style racer from the nineties or eighties. I don't know, with with derailleurs, but you know the normal quick release, which essentially is a well, is it an axle? Would you call it? I don't know what you call it. A threaded, nutted axle that you just untighten and pull out, pull out, pull out this the spindle from wheel, and your wheel falls off. Yeah, you know what quick release is, yeah. I know how to quick release it, yeah. yeah well, the modern thing is, is is all connected to brake discs, and unfortunately you can't take it off really as an amateur without locking the disc brakes, which contain very powerful magnets. I.e. you can't really repair it on the side of the road. <sighs> so. Well, I don't think you could ever repair a puncture at the side of the road, because, as I discussed... Well, you can, you because you just replace it with an inner tube. New inner tube. But you have a new inner tube with you. Yeah, well, they're tiny, Richard. They, they fold up into your little... Your little uh, crotch bag that goes underneath your your your, your, your top. Bag. They do not. They do. Not. They do. It, in my puncture repair kit when I was a kid, you got a few little patch, patches of rubber. Yeah. 
that you could stick over a hole, some rubber cement or something, yeah. and a little cube of French chalk. I don't know what still French get chalk that. is. You still get all that. I have no idea what French chalk is, but you grated it over the, the sticky bit. You still get that, Richard. But nothing precludes you from carrying an inner tube as well with you. There's no, there's no sign on the on the repair kit that says you must not carry a spare inner tube, is there? But the whole thing is, you will not make when... amendments to this bike. You will not attach a pannier. You will not attach a bracket for a drinking bottle. You will ride this bike without mud guards and never carry an inner tube. Is is it part of the the, the purest cyclist law? You know. But if you have a puncture repair kit and you're going to repair the puncture, to find the hole, you've got to submerge your inner tube in a bowl of water. And who has a Not bowl of water? True. You don't have to do that. So I was carrying around a washing up bowl and a two liters of water. I'm sorry, I never took the cyclist dib dib dob 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 never to what was it never to carry in the tube. And I, I drink it. I drink coffee at Starbucks because apparently, you know, if you're going to be a real cyclist, you can only go to those uh, towable horse boxes that have been converted into uh, a coffee bar that's painted in matte black and has stenciled spray stenciled uh, a logo on the top of it. Yeah. Paul, yeah, I think sorry. it's time to talk about men. It is time, to really, to have a really, really in-depth conversation about men. So, Paul, we've broken a little ruler by accidentally mentioning the name of the film before the musical sting. True. Or did I? Maybe I was just generically talking about men. Exactly. So I think it's allowable, isn't it? This is an A24 movie. It is. We do a lot of these. and we A lot. Generally an awful lot. It's an Alex Garland movie. Who we've had before, haven't we? What did, what did we review about Alex Garland? I mean, we've not reviewed The Beach, have we? But The one that we really liked was Ex Machina. Ex Machina, that's right. 2014, if the memory serves correct. Somewhere around there. Good grief, Paul. It's like an encyclopedia. Of numbers, yeah. <laughs> of numbers. Just don't ask me about actors' names, that's all. Oh, well, I mean, this stars... Somebody really famous. Rory Kinnear. Do you know, because I thought, well, oh, I wasn't going to say that, actually. You kind of spoke oh. much out. Oh. I was going to say a great opening scene with uh, Griffith Jones. <laughs> and you were supposed to say, that's not Griffith Jones. I was supposed to go, what What do you mean? You were supposed to say, it's... it's Roy Kinnear's son, for crying out loud, Paul. Looking a bit like Griffiths Jones if he was playing one of the legal gentlemen with big teeth. <laughs> I was going to riff on that for at least a minute and a half. But... Roy Kinnear's son, yeah. Famous 70s, 80s character, actor, comedian. Yeah. Most famous to geeks because he was the rancor wrangler in Return of the Jedi. He was! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow! Anyway, he had a son, and I think he's called Rory Kinnear. Is that right? Rory Kinnear. And here he is doing several roles in this film, as we shall discuss. He does have a striking resemblance to his father. You can certainly see a family like this. I will agree with you. Without being too too judgmental, I would say that he's maybe classically better looking than his father. (laughs) His father is classed as a character actor, which I think means he's fugly, doesn't it? That's what it means. (laughs) I mean, in, in movie star terms. I mean, in yeah, movie star terms, yeah, let's yeah, be clear. Yeah. So we start, though, with the female protagonist of this piece. 
who's called Harper, oddly. Harper, thank you. Played by an actress called Jessie Buckley, who I'm not all that familiar with, but mm-hmm. she uh, she's Irish, I suppose, judging by her accent. She's in a London flat somewhere on the Docklands area, I'm not sure. It's nice. Yeah, she's watching a beautiful sunset. But strangely, blood is coming from her nose. I think she's, as we learn later, she's actually been hit. And as she's looking out the window, strangely, a man falls past the window. <laughs> and presumably is impaled on the on the uh, on the fence or the railings below. But we don't find that till like, find out that till later. Is that right? That's true. That's true. I've got stuff to say about that actually. Oh, sorry. sorry. Well, now, we, now we then switch to a bucolic scene in the countryside to which she is heading. We learn that she's going there. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. What, where she was going and what route she was M4, taking. M4, so presumably down west. Well, it was filmed in Cheltenham, and a village near Cheltenham, which is not really down the M4, well, is it? Do you class Oxford as west or east? Hmm. Kind of I mean, Oxford is west. middle isn't it? It's basically the Midlands, Oxford. Well, the M4's down there, isn't it? But it heads from west, slightly... From London, but slightly west, doesn't it? To, like, the West Midlands. no. West Midlands is Birmingham, isn't it? No. You're right. Yeah. It's Middle England. Middle England. It's movie magic. We don't know where it exactly this is supposed yeah. to be. It was filmed in Cheltenham, but perhaps they meant it to be anywhere. Somewhere along the M4. Now, in this shot of this field, this meadow, we see a dandelion clock being blown by the wind. And dandelions crop up several times in this. I, t- I use dandelions as my metaphor when teaching... The transmission of chemicals across synapses. Chemicals across synapses? Yeah, you know, uh, when the electrical signal reaches the end of one neuron. Right. It prompts well, a little... spores of chemicals, if you like, to be released across a gap. And I liken this to blowing on a dandelion. So in, in this metaphor, yeah. what is the wind blowing? The what does that represent? electrical force that arrives at the end of that neuron. Okay. Okay. I could see. How... I didn't say it was a working model, Richard. I just said it's <laughs> No, it's it's absolutely it's a highly illustrative. Yeah. I'm very evocative. Well done. Well done. Now I'm why are dandelions brains. important to this film? Well, I don't know dandelions, because they're dandy and they're dandelions, so Well I read this male consciousness. Listen, this is in the IMDB trivia section, mm-hmm. so I don't know how true this is actually. According to IMDB, dandelions make you reproduce... weak, yeah, I know. Through parthenogenesis, they are clones. Yeah, that's not unusual for the plant kingdom. But hold on. If that's true, why then do dandelions have a flower? Because now, Why do I'm apple trees have a flower? Because they clone themselves too. I'm no biologist, but I, I do remember at school being taught about the birds and the bees. Right, okay. Most we plants have the option of both. They can choose, it seems. Well, I don't know if you choose, but... Most plants can reproduce simultaneously in a colonial way or in a sweaty sex stamen seepy weepy way. I was taught the birds and the bees that when a plant wants to reproduce, it has to attract a bee for some reason. The birds goes and the along bees. and the bee impregnate the bird I mean the Flowers bee shags the, the flower trees. impregnates the flower and then we get a baby flower. Except it doesn't make much sense, does it? Because my understanding is that worker bees are all female, right? True. 
So the bee isn't impregnating the flower. It must be the flower is impregnating the bee. What do you mean, Richard? And then the bee must have to go somewhere. Right, and, there you go. There, there you go, yeah. Okay, so the bee... Shit a flower into the The bee ground. is particularly attracted to the nectar. Okay. Yeah. And then they go so, back to the in hive. Doing, in doing they, so, it's like a burglar in a, in a darkened house. It bumps into things. And it bumps into the fluorescent paint we call pollen. The Which is flower sperm. The, yes, the invisible flower ultraviolet sperm. marker that's that this clever owner, owner, homeowner has daubed on its on his walls. The bee leaves, not knowing that it's fluorescent with with pollen. Jumps onto the next flower and leaves the pollen as it bumps into more walls in the next house, so to speak. So this is like a girl, a girl bee, goes to a male flower and gets a facial, yeah, covered in flower. Flower sperm. And goes to the next facial shop. And then goes to a female flower. Yeah. And rubs up against the female, and that female flower gets pregnant from yes. the other male flower's Correct. sperm. So the bee is some sort of vector. How, how the hell did they come up with this? How does well, this make any sense? <laughs> I mean, it's slightly more sophisticated than just letting the wind do it all, isn't it? Which is what most what most uh, flowers do. Well, just... Hay fever, man. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, the bee way means less hay fever. Okay. okay. But even I think those flowering plants, many of them still retain the option just to clone when they feel like it. You'll have to ask a biologist that knows something about this topic, Richard. But no, many plants do clone. If the flower thinks that it can do it all, it can have its career and have children, then yeah, why, why won't they just get pregnant without the hassle of having to date other plants? <laughs> Just just get pregnant of your own accord, why not? Anyway, this is a wild uh, a wild diversion from the film. Although, it's actually difficult to go too much off topic with this film, isn't it? Because nothing happens. <laughs> oh, Paul. She arrives in a beautiful gravel courtyard for a very nice-looking, quite old house. Apparently it's well, wait a minute. 500 You've forgotten the fact that she's driving in a car for eight fucking minutes, Richard. Eight minutes? Yeah. Or something like that. It's heavily compressed, Paul, because you've had it's to... beautiful imagery. ...way out of London to do this. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, you know. I'm not... She arrives I, I'm and not, she... I'm not saying the film isn't beautifully shot that the cinematography... Of course, it's Alex Garland. You know. He has an eye for this kind of stuff. It's good. It's got a very old-worldy kind of English villagey charm to it, hasn't it? Yeah, very much like uh, the, the Kaz... Who do we, we watch? Kazuo... Ishiguro, was it? His uh... Yes. What was the one we watched? I'm sorry. Sorry to bring this up. Uh, there's no way I can remember the name of that. Anyway, that kind of old world charm that Japanese people recognise so well in, in British culture. So, she's being shown around this house that she's renting for two weeks by the landlord. The landlord, Geoffrey. Played, Geoffrey indeed is his name, played by Rory Kinnear, as you say, in sort of a fast show style get-up. Yes. With some sort of fake teeth. But he's wearing... The classic barber jacket and mustard slacks of a country gentleman. As Harper says, he's very country, as she says to her friend. It's quite a nice place. It's got a fancy modern kitchen with an electric kettle. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not Tim Dim but nice, is he? He's just very country. So he says, I'll show you around. Let's go up this strange wibbly-wobbly way. So he's got a way of talking about the two sets of stairs. And what's called the wibbly-wobbly way, you know. So he's just a nice... He seems to be quite a nice sort of middle-aged fella, doesn't he? He makes a very deadpan joke, which scares her about scrumping apples, because she picked an apple off the tree yeah. as soon as she parked the car. 
I think she was enchanted by the idea of eating an apple because it's heavy symbolism, isn't it? Oh gosh, this symbolism. Crikey, don't get me started on this. Well, I was a bit worried we were in for another mother exclamation mark here. It, well, it was mother, but it wasn't effective enough to be mother, was it? No. no. It wanted to be, though. It had pretensions. In a way, in parts, yes, it did. Yeah. And he warns her that she can't flush tampons because of the septic tank system that's in Yeah, use. two sort of sticking points to how he was speaking to her. Or how she received those ideas. To be honest, though, you know you shouldn't be flushing tampons in any kind of sewage system, as we as we now know, because of the danger of fatbergs, Paul. <laughs> You're basically You're not hitting allowed. all my favourite topics tonight, aren't you? you? Are you trying to get me talking or something? <laughs> Why are fatbergs your favourite topic? I just love I, I love a fatberg of an evening. Yeah. <laughs> you should speak to Joliet. I'm sure he knows all about them. Really. Yeah, I mean, he deals with the output end of the oh, does he? the water cycle, doesn't he? So, oh, I, I mean, you're not allowed to put anything down the toilet that isn't human waste, toilet paper, or fluid. You know, is that a law? Is that a law of the land, or is that a law of United Utilities? It's not a law, Paul. It's just the strong usage recommendation laid down by the water companies. And can the companies actually have you arrested if you use your hosepipe? They can't. To can do you? what? They can just cut off your water. That's all they can do, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to cut your water off, are they, really? They can just fine you. Yeah. Yeah. Then, if you don't pay your fine, they can cut your water off. I don't think so. I think it's very difficult for them to cut water off from people. So I just don't pay ever, is that what you're telling me? No, but you'd you'd get a county court judgment, you'd find it difficult to get credit for anything. Your life would become very difficult if you refused to pay. But I don't think they really can cut you off. I don't think that happens. Don't take legal advice from a podcast, but... Even if they did cut you off, you could just for £2 go and drink the swimming bath, couldn't you? So, or £2.50. Well, I'm sure you could find somewhere a water fountain, couldn't you? Precisely. Two fingers, or four fingers, therefore, to United Utilities. I'm going to wave my placard about using hose pipes the next time there's a drought. All the water companies who are dumping sewage into the rivers because yeah, they're not them. being Look forced Look at them, to... and they're no better than me in my hose pipe, are they? <laughs> Paul, you don't have a garden, do you? Why are you worried about a hose I don't pipe? have a hose pipe. <laughs> I just want to get on my soapbox and shout at pigeons. Right. I like that phrase, by the way, shouting pigeons. It's one of Richard's. He also inquires after Harper's husband because he checked in or booked this thing with the name Mrs. Whatever. So can I just interrupt? I really like the way, because if you've ever been like to a self-catering holiday home, They've got this. They've obviously done it a hundred times before when they take you around the house. I just loved his introduction to his house. I thought he was very professional, apart from the bad joke about apples. Surely this... I would have expected this to be an Airbnb kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Do they even have someone to show you around? Don't you just get the key out of a little lockbox? Often they do, in my experience. I mean, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, often they do. It's a bit embarrassing to be asked about a husband because we've just seen that a guy, presumably a husband has just fallen to his death. Uh, so, not too happy. Anyway, she speaks to a friend on a video call and she's got a bit of buyer's remorse because she's perhaps gone beyond her means to get this really fancy cottage in the middle of nowhere. It's a bit more than a cottage, Richard, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's a it's country like a house. house. It's a country house. A manor house, yeah. An old pile, as they say. Because she's got bad Wi-Fi or bad cell phone signal. So the video call breaks up at one point. Horrifically, you know, with weird 
frozen, garbled imagery of her friend. Uh, and then she has these flashbacks back to her husband falling. And we see an argument with her husband, who's called James, we learn. And obviously their marriage isn't working out very well. And he seems to have some sort of mental not wellness issue. Well, the biggest thing is that he threatens to kill himself if she goes through with asking for a divorce. Very manipulative behaviour. Very manipulative, yeah. Well, she's come away here, hasn't she, to get away from all of that and sort sort of head out a bit. She's walking through the beautiful countryside and she finds... Through a bit of a forest, this kind of railway tunnel. Very dark, but she can see through the other side there's light and greenness coming through in the exit. And as she's looking down this tunnel, she starts singing, doing an echo game, because she's a really good echo in this tunnel. So she sings this kind of haunting melody down here and listens for the echo coming back. As she's doing that, there's a movement at the end and there's a silhouette right at the end of the tunnel, a long way away, of a figure, a person stands up and it screams and starts running towards her and obviously she's freaked out so she runs away leaves. Yeah. Well I was I was hoping you could help me out at this point because I got a bit confused at this stage. Well I was she trying runs to follow, away. Yeah I was trying to follow the Hansel and Gretel way that she followed the path she came in she didn't deviate from it but she ended up in another dead ended railway tunnel. Is that a what you're up about? railway tunnel. Yeah, that's it. But had she got turned around and she finds her way back to the tunnel, but now it's bricked up? Is Maybe, yeah. So uh, the first indication, this is a magical place, no? This is a I, magical place. If that interpretation is correct, I couldn't make head or tail of what I think you have to. That's there. the only... If you follow where she goes, although there are some cutscenes, then, yeah, I think we have to assume something magical has happened. Or something in magical in her own mind. I She's imagining all of this. So, spooked by all of this and the fact that she just found this tunnel bricked up, she climbs up the railway embankment to yeah. the side. It's all a disused railway in both cases anyway. Climbs up this railway embankment and pops a fence back into the meadow, which looks strangely familiar, actually. And she calms down. She's experiencing the beauty of nature again. She turns around and takes a picture. <laughs> of a quite nice, dilapidated barn, yeah? Indeed. Yeah. But all is not as it seems. Yeah, because when she zooms in, well, she sees what she's photographed, then she zooms in to check, and it's a naked man. A naked man. Stood in full glory. Rory Kinnear, in fact, as we'll learn. Yeah. Because Rory Kinnear plays plays, all the male parts. He plays every man in this. Apart from her boyfriend or husband. I think he plays 10 different roles. She hot foots him back. She hot foots him back, doesn't she? And then has a flashback. She has a flashback to the aftermath of her husband jumping or falling, question mark, as we learn later. Yeah, and you've got problems with this. Richard, to his apparently. death. If you jump yeah. and you land on a railing, yeah. which is what we see he's done. It's yeah. quite a grisly scene, isn't it? But it strikes me that actually, from the point of view of surviving a fall, landing on a railing is probably one of your best bets, isn't it? You're going to decelerate much slower if you impale yourself on a railing. <laughs> Then, look, because if you hit the floor and your head hits the ground, you're going to die from the impact. But if you get impaled, I think you you got a better chance of surviving, don't you? I mean, you uh, have obviously well, you'll be impaled. I think if you hit the floor and roll, so you you're const- in constant partial contact with it, I think you've got a better chance of surviving, don't you? 
if you if you roll and crumple, like if you make contact with the ground, and as you touch, then you allow your body to bend into the ground. So you're taking some of the force of the earth, but not all of it. Try and roll with it, yeah. Which yeah. is a slight is to crumple your knees slightly and roll at the same time. Feet together, knees together, bend at the knees, roll with it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was that guy that's been on YouTube at the moment who, uh, you know, the YouTube is you know him on CNN uh, interviewing after he fell out of a cargo, the cargo hold of a, of a cargo plane. But it's all one giant hoax. Of course, you can't really fall out of a cargo plane and survive. Actually, you can. You can. It's people have. But not when you're falling at uh, when you've got your foot tied into one of the cargo, uh, one of the cargo that's not therefore falling in its own terminal velocity of 450 miles an hour. So it was just an elaborate hoax to see, you know, how gullible people were on the internet. Because there is uh, an air stewardess, as they were called, and a flight sure. attendant. But she probably fell into a canopy into... of Amazonian trees, didn't she? I think that's true. Which are 45 meters high, and have very sort of supple and bendy branches all the way down to the floor. There are also stories about guys in bombers in the war who survived falls. I think Fell my mud, though, didn't they? I think my granddad's brother was one of them. But did he uh, fall? No, did no he fall sorry, into... that's not true. I, I mean, my granddad's brother was on a Lancaster bomber. Did somebody fell and out? One of his me? crew, I think the tail gunner, fell out as as their plane was being hit, and. Survived amazingly with broken leg and stuff. But he probably fell into sort of cowpat territory, didn't he? No, uh, because I think they were bombing a city. Whoa, he fell into a roof. There are also, there are also, I'm sure there are stories. I don't know how true they are. Must have been a roof. I think I've seen a Mythbusters episode that was about a legendary fall into a glass canopied railway station. Yeah. An airman fell into the glass. Roof, but a bomb was going off at the same time, or something, and it cushioned his, you know, the pressure wave. Whoa. I don't know. It sounds amazing, but there are crazy stories of very unlikely survival from. Yeah, I'm sure the massive impact would have been reduced by falling on spikes. However, I'm pretty sure the the almost certain laceration entirely through your, you know. Various critical points of your body would leave you dead, Richard. Well, he does die, doesn't he? There's no point in arguing about James. He buys he buys the farm, doesn't he? At this point, yeah. not literally, figuratively. Figuratively. So she get back gets back home. She looks at the picture she's taken with this naked man while she's in the roll top bath. And I would suggest, by the way, that if you are away from home on holiday and your phone with all your stuff and your contact details and everything. Don't hold it over the bath, because if you drop it in the bath water, you're kind of fucked, aren't you? Do you know, I thought you were going to say something different. Oh. Don't take a bath in, you know, in a filthy, filthy bathtub. It wasn't a filthy bathtub, it was a beautiful bathtub. No, they look clean, but they're filthy. What, what are baths? Do you know, 6% of British, 6% of British hotel users admit to washing their knickers in the kettle. <laughs> Right, in, that in, cannot be true. It's true. Go on, go and Google it. Why would you wash your knickers? Because it's hot. You, in, <laughs> you don't want to pay for dry cleaning. You you know you've you've done your t-shirt, you've done your pants. You know as you wash, you know in the basin, and you want a hot wash for your knickers. So you it's stick boiling in the... water. Pull. It's perfectly clean afterwards, isn't it? Doesn't oh, Richard, stop it. But the I mean, 
Anyway, but I understood the hot water in tech hotels to be pretty hot anyway. So, so yeah. But there you go. Firstly, it's not a hotel, it's a house. Yeah. Secondly, she's not bathing in the kettle. She's, Thirdly, she's I mean, surely you've got your phone backed up to your cloud these days. Haven't you? Yep. And if you were at home, you could get on your laptop or whatever and you could go order a new phone. It'd be no problem. But if you're on a holiday, yeah. the last thing you want is to drop your phone in the bath. Okay. No, point. it's a terrifying disaster that made me very uncomfortable. Okay, fair point. Can she not just have a bath? Just put your phone she's down. She's a right drama, five isn't minutes. she, honestly? Turns out she plays the piano beautifully, and as she's playing the piano, I don't know, actually nothing happens when she plays the piano. It's when she, she sits down to do some work at a lap, with a laptop, doesn't she? And it's then that we see in the background this, this same naked man. He's got a strange complexion, doesn't he, as well? He's like the Green Knight, he isn't past he? the window. Gavi. He's well, the, like the Green Knight. Well, he's actually the Green Man, isn't he? he That's is. the thing. That's what he is. So the sort of pagan deity <laughs> spirit, I don't know what even to describe it as, but it's a, a well-known figure, isn't it? Yes. He walks past the window. She doesn't notice him for ages until... It's pretty spooky, though, isn't it? I do admit to being spooked out at that point. Yes, yeah, because he comes right up to the window at one point. And he's peering through. And you just wait. Busy. To smash, you're waiting. It's suspense. You know, it's beautifully done by Alex. You're waiting for that window to be smashed and it to be grabbed. But he toys with us really nicely, you know. Because she's engrossed in a call with a buddy, talking about taking a picture of a naked man yeah. in the field earlier on. But she finally spots him as he is picking at the apple tree. Yeah, I thought she would spot him in the reflection of her phone. I think you missed one there because that's a classic trope, isn't it? <laughs> she calls 999 straight away, sensible. And as she's doing that, because she notices the door is ajar, the front door, so she rushes yeah, to mistake. close Mistake! Has he already come in? Don't lock that door until you've ascertained that he's not already in the house. But we know he's not already in, Paul, oh. because he shoves his arm through We the do very door. shortly afterwards, yes, yes, yes. But not until she's locked the door, which which might have been a mistake if he was on the other side of the door. I do admit to this being really quite nice tension. I know it's classic behind you, you know, pantomime stuff, but it, I, he built the tension really nicely. I thought this was maybe the most successful part of the movie for me. I, you know, I, I fell a little bit on edge watching this and really hoping she would sort of just double up with her competency and notice what was going on. It was like I was rooting for her and she was yet so, so useless. But anyway. Now, we have another flashback where she recalls her husband hitting her in the face, which is why she had a bloody nose in the last flashback. But he's hitting her with extreme violence, and yet she's only got a bloody nose. I didn't really buy all that, do you know what I mean? Like and he, he did it because she wouldn't unlock the phone, Yeah, I think. What I'm saying is, I mean, the way he hits her, he would have floored her, wouldn't he? You know, but she's well, she, did, she did fall over, didn't she? She went straight, got a straight backwards, ass over yeah. tit into the kitchen. I mean, you think he would have broke a jaw with the kind of hit he was delivering. But that's a brief flashback. We're then back to the police who have arrived, yeah. apprehended this guy. There's someone sort of sitting on him in the garden. <laughs> and a policewoman is taking a statement from her all about, you know, how alarming it must have been. She goes to the local church after this. This is, I think this is wonderfully warped. I like this scene. Well, we see... Uh, it's just so first wrong of all, at every level. On the altar, we see a carving, this is a clue, isn't it, of the green man's face. Yeah. It's obviously an old sort of church altar thing. And on the other side, there's a Sheila Nagig carving, ah. which is another nature goddess thing, isn't it? 
all about fertility. Now, I'm not sure if they really appear uh, in uh, Anglican churches, but the one that definitely does appear is the sort of basement female gargoyle. The, basement female? Well, you know how gargoyles are usually above? It's about water. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's On many churches, particularly in the countryside, uh, there are sort of these ancient uh, warders off of evil, which are particularly ugly crafted women with giant vulvas. That'll be a sheen on a gig, yeah. Is that a sheen on a gig? I think so, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. Again, I'm no expert on this, but I think that's the symbology that we're, we're working with here. Apparently they would attract, obviously they would strongly attract any evil spirits to do the naughty instead of going into the church, was the thinking. I think she spends some time in church, doesn't he? Just collecting herself. And then striking at God. That's right, she screams, she screams. Yes, she screams. And then she goes outside and she meets... <laughs> the vicar. No, she, Well, the, before the that, she meets a schoolboy. Who is, wait for it, Rory Kinnear, <laughs> with his head photoshopped onto... <laughs> a schoolboy's body. The boy you call Zach's body, I think the actress called it. So, I mean, you start at the start, this kid is wearing like a Marilyn Monroe mask, isn't it? Yeah, which is deeply weird. And it's and you expect it to be a man because the proportions are not clear. And then he takes off his mask and it has boyish features. But actually, when you get close up, it's, it's obvious they couldn't, they weren't able to make him so boyish as to not look like Rory Kinnear. But then you realize <laughs> in relation to her, he's much, much shorter and he's a boy. It's deeply in the uncanny valley, this bit. Yeah, and weird. it doesn't work, honestly. The special effect doesn't quite gel for me. I quite liked how it didn't work. It made it quite frightening. True, true. It reminded me of... There's a... I know you don't like him, but there is... In Alan Partridge's latest series... I do like him. I never said that, Richard. In Alan Partridge's latest series, there's a moment where he reenacts his youth at school... And they do basically the same effect with Steve Coogan having his face put on a schoolboy's head. I think I've seen that, actually. It's basically the same effect, and it has basically the same Uncanny Valley kind of quality to it. Now, you see this schoolboy later at the sort of climax of the film in the half-light in the kitchen, and I think uh-huh. it's actually much more effective there. Yeah. It's not quite as jarring. But here, in the daylight... <laughs> It's certainly weird. It's certainly weird. The kid weird. says, want to play a game? Essentially hide and seek, but there's some idea of violence or sexual overtone that the kid is imputing here. And just as she's about to say, no, I don't want to, the vicar turns up and says, what's his name? Samuel? Go away, Samuel. Stop bothering the lady. And then Samuel turns around and says, you stupid fucking bitch. Does he? Yeah. Not to her. Yeah, to her. And the vicar says, I'm really sorry he shouldn't be saying things like that to you. Oh, sorry, yeah, the kid does, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, this is where it gets weirder, because the the vicar sits her down and says, look, you know, I think you need a heart-to-heart. I think I'm the guy that can help you. But then it just goes south again, doesn't it, with the vicar? It's subtle at this stage, isn't it? But the vicar says that she needs to be understood, and he puts his hand on her knee. She's also having another flashback to the situation with her husband. She's thrown him out angrily after he's hit her, quite understandably, locked the door. And the story is that the husband went to the flat above after that row and was trying to climb down uh-huh. and slips. But of course, I mean, he had threatened to kill himself as well, so it's not obvious that that's true. And the vicar says, you must wonder why you drive him to it. After he struck you, did he give him a chance to apologise? Yeah, this is weird. He says, 
Men do strike women sometimes. It's not nice, but it happens. It's not a capital offence, he says. He's a he's an apologist for this kind of violence, mm. isn't he? Uh, this kind of domestic abuse. The thing is, this is obviously the third character, male character we've seen fully, played by Rory Kinnear. This time in full Harry Potter sort of Hogwarts teacher mode. Yes. As the vicar. And a mop full of hair. A mop full of hair. Look... He's obviously having to get dressed up in different outfits to yeah. present different faces for different people. Like, are we supposed to understand that it's all a fever uh, dream? I, I mean, is this? Yeah, she just this... clicks her shoes. Will she head back? You know, to 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 Kansas. I don't know. No, what, really, what, why? Why the fancy dress? Why the fast show style outfits? Wasn't it ages of man? I mean, this. Is, I mean, when we get to the final scene, which let's not talk about just yet. Isn't this all about ages of man? Maybe. I, the I It's all about the domestication of man, surely. The savage in the woods becomes mm. the emotional hunter-gatherer boy, uh, becomes the domesticated preachy farmer. I don't know. Preach? I don't know. How, I don't know. I mean, later becomes Jeffrey, essentially. Yeah. The, but does the, the emotional you know cripple saying? who's very domesticated... And he's the one that can enter the house without giving too much away about about the final scene. Isn't it about ages of men or stages of men and either there's a very misogynistic approach to that or a non-misogynistic approach in terms of saying women are domesticating men or men are unable to do, be domesticated. If you take the symbology to its quite obviously presented levels, you know, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying though? If you're saying that they're all kind of the same, why the cosplay? You know, why put makeup on and stuff? It's got a really strange kind of pantomime quality. I, I, you know, I, I think it's 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 carrying things beyond its grasp, isn't it? And it's trying to say things it doesn't even necessarily know it's saying. But I think it's been set up with a specific set of symbology. There's pointless garden of apple, garden of Eden apples. You know, just nothing there apart from the idea of. Yeah, I, I don't get that sit. because it's uh, meaningless. It does. It's just there to be mother, isn't it? You know, just, just you know the Green it. Man stuff is. I, I, Alex Garland apparently said that he'd always wanted to put the Green Man in a movie. In in a movie, but that's a very pagan idea, right? So, and you know, it wants really hard to be like a folk horror thing, like uh, does, the Wicker yeah. Man, or or indeed, you know, more recently, you know, we've. Uh, we saw Midsummer, didn't we? That kind of thing. What's the but name of a... the one with the village with the children with the white hair? It has real similarities to that. Children of the Damned, is that? Yeah, communication goes wise, down. It's in a very isolated village, you know, and they get ensnared by like-behaving, similar kind of children. There are some real similarities there, I think. It's, what, 2020s going on 1950s. It's like, yeah. it's a village trapped in time, isn't it? It's like it a village, is, yeah. you know, where the vicar is hanging around and paying a visit and stuff like that. It's a village from a John le Carre novel, basically. We now get some Peter Greenaway image of a dead deer. I was going to say Peter Greenaway, yeah. Like a maggot coming out of its eye and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure how that fits in again. What's it saying? I don't know, but what was the movie we were watching last week about rich people on boats? Uh, Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness. Lots of Peter Greenaway moments there, but not in the sort of close-up of maggots. In very much architect, uh, draftsman, architect, Draftsman? Contracts with Draftsman? 
Grassman's contract, okay, is sort of he takes like uh, not still life, but he takes uh, landscapes and then sets repetitive music to it. Okay, I was getting quite a lot of that sort of stuff from Alex Garland's shots here, but certainly from the movie last week, it was I thought it was almost a direct steal of uh, Greenaway's techniques of presenting either a very beautiful sort of landscape or still life, sort of imitating great medieval art with some sort of deconstructed funky classical music on top. Uh, And this does a bit like that, doesn't it? We are also seeing the green man in some kind of alcove cutting his face and putting oak leaves into the gashes in his forehead. How strange. Cut to Harper going to the pub. And now Rory is... The policeman. He's really earning his keep here, isn't he? Because he's playing, obviously, the barman. Jeffrey's at the bar as well. There's the pensive guy with a beer mat. There's a guy with a like a fohican. <laughs> it's all Rory. Policeman guys. The only person missing. I don't think the vicar's there. I'm not sure Sam the schoolboy's alive. He used to do these days, though, isn't he? You just do a green screen, a green screen, and plot the people on afterwards. <laughs> oh right, yeah, easy to do. Yeah, no problem. Well, compared to how you used to have to do it, which was like make sure you didn't cross paths. But one person would always have to be filled on one side of, the, of you know where the scene was, and another person had to be filmed on the other side. Wow, Paul, this is showing a deep level of understanding of optical special effects of Fuck off. vintage movies. <laughs> well, do you know how they got the first classic sort of werewolf change? Was it a half-silvered mirror? No, they painted her face with a. Some sort of metal, 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 metal uh, dye or metal uh, sort of uh, not a dye, but anyway, some sort of face paint, metallic face colors. paint. Yeah, and I then they it, change the color of the lighting. Change the color um, of the lighting. Yeah. yeah, incredible. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah, really, really clever. Yeah. yeah, but these days you do it all with AI, presumably. <laughs> so wait, 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 yeah. So we're gonna get moving, haven't we? Because yeah, so basically down the pub. What happens? Nothing, really. Happens well, I think the policeman tells her that the guy's been released, released. already. That's right. And she runs back home. Naked guy's watching her, apparently. Uh, <laughs> she calls her buddy again because she's frightened now. I would be and frightened, yeah. Her buddy insists on driving up to see her. What is nice is that Alex always puts those wi- those windows where he appeared last time in the back of her shots. I, I like this, you know. He's kind of teasing us with his reappearance. He doesn't reappear at the window, does he, really? But... No, but the call cuts out, doesn't it? And there's a power flicker, the lights flicker for a moment. She's trying to explain the location uh, using her voice. Yeah, just just send a, <laughs> a pin thing on the map. Just it was a bit daft. Put the postcode in. Then a friend uh, has to say, just send me a message with the address on, you daft idiot. <laughs> But when she does that, she gets a response. This is like Scream style, isn't it? She gets a response saying, I already know where you are, kind of thing. Yeah. Abusive message. And you see the copper, the policeman, standing outside silently by the tree. So either we're talking magic or we're talking really, really sort of a whole village colluding to use use technology to, to frighten people that come to visit. Oh, we're talking a fever dream, but it's never really resolved at the end, does it? Plot, plot spoiler. Well, the lights flicker, 
the policeman disappears and all the apples suddenly fall from the tree. And then we see mm. the beer mat guy from the pub running at her. She locks the door, crouches in the kitchen with a bread knife or a big knife. And Jeff turns up. A smashed glass, isn't there? There's, that's right, there was a smashing glass sound. When Jeff turns up, he comes in and he finds that a crow on the floor apparently has broken the window. By but she's heard through. footsteps on, cr- on, on the crunching on glass, so she knows somebody's been in the house. So he goes out to look around. Despite her the security... protestations that he doesn't believe her. And he's like, of course I believe you. I actually saw the man that was arrested this morning. But there we go. When the security lights go out, he disappears, he disappears and the naked guy appears. Yeah. And this time, it gets he opens it. He blows a handful of dandelion seeds at her. Very, that's very erotic, isn't it? Because that's basically plant dandelion semen that he's blowing at her. Or is it? Apparently, it's just dandelion clones. Oh, okay. Well, that's, Babies, what, you, that's what you said. Again, I'm no biologist. Uh, we're, now, we're now seeing a hand through the letterbox again. Yeah. She's closed the door, I think. And she takes the knife and she stabs through the hand, the back of the hand, so the knife is clean through it. And Or oh, she stabs down through into the, 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 the weak side of the forearm, but the hand retracts itself through the letterbox and therefore that's right. cuts, and it cuts the arm entirely in two lengthways. Yeah. Yeah, it's Lovely. really grisly, isn't it? Grisly, yeah. but not scary. And then she goes back into the kitchen, she hears this noise, and she she sees Sam, the little schoolboy, is there, playing with the dead bird. Wait, isn't he fucking the dead bird? No, I think he, well, he was doing something with it. There was a he plastic mask. He was moving mask. it rhythmically with a bag on it. He put the mask head. over its face. Rhythmically towards his body. His hand, his left hand. Is split down from the forearm to the the middle fingers. Yeah. Grizzly. It's all the same person. It's the same entity, isn't it? When you stab one, they all get the stabbed. The same kind of entity. So we're definitely into the hyper-real, super-real, magical world of the Green Man, aren't we? We're going to get chased now. Harper's going to get chased from room to room. She keeps going from one room to another. By this, by this, By this uberman of various appearances. Eventually, the vicar sort of corners her in a bathroom or something. Again, he's got a cleft arm. He gives her kind of like a creepy sermon and washes his hand, including his split hand. Really weird. And then prepares in the to have sex with her. Yeah, he tries to. He basically goes to rape her. Sorry. He? You know, he's saying some. He seems fascinated by her carnality. And this is the control that you exert, he says. Then he says something about... He starts off by kneeling before her. This is the weapon. This is the knife that will cut me. He's talking about her genitals. Well, she runs out. She tries to drive away. As she's driving away, she pulls out of the driveway really fast. Jeffrey is standing in the road, in the middle of the road, and she hits him. He goes clean over the car. Survives, weirdly. As she stopped there, panicked, he stands up and pulls her out of the car and drives off in it. She turns back towards the manor house, I think. Only to the headlights that Jeff, of the car that Jeffrey drove away return towards her and try to run, ram, ram her off the road. So she's running back into the house and car chases her and then smashes into a, a, a rustic stone gatepost affair. Totally in the car. And now the green man appears with weird. a weirdly broken leg. 
Yeah. It, it reminded me of that film, The Black Box, we saw with the guy who all his limbs were broken. Well, imagine he's, he's broken it in the crash where Jeff, Jeffrey drove at speed, yeah? Yeah. So they're inheriting the injuries that... That's right. That, but he's, we, set, we now see suddenly that he's got an immensely, grotesquely distended belly, a pregnant belly. <laughs> <laughs> and now we begin one of a number of... What are those Russian dolls called? Those yes. Maris- Maris- I had Stroke a really dolls? similar dream about four years ago. And it was so oh, weird. Chris. I wrote it down on my OneNotes. When I wrote it, so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> and it was a fox that did exactly through its mouth, regurgitated a dog through its neck. And the dog through its neck regurgitated some other sort of canine animal. But this is very similar. This could only have come from a nightmare Alex Garland had, couldn't it? Yeah. Because it, now we see a vagina in this... Green man, uh, actually underneath his, so he's like but it seems to be a real vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it has a lot of appearances of a vagina, vagina yeah. Yeah. and he he gives birth to the second another man. a second man, another Rory Kinnear, who might be the policeman, who then no, who starts giving you know, birth. He's, he's a young schoolboy, the schoolboy Samuel. He gives birth to Samuel, then to the vicar, and the vicar gives birth between his shoulder blades, weirdly. To Jeffrey, uh-huh. who gives birth feet first through his <laughs> mouth to a person who turns out to be her husband. Yeah. And he drags himself over onto the couch and sits down, which is terrible because he's covered in blood. explains his death. And he says, he explains how, you know, the injuries on him are the same as the injuries on this entity, you know. The so the weird thing hand. is, tied to what the vicar said when he preparing to rape her, this is what all the men assume that she has done to them. Does that does that follow? And I think she asks him what he wants from her, and he says that he love. wants her love. Weird. At this point, her buddy, who it turns out is pregnant, symbolically, arrives, sees Harper sort of sitting out in the garden. But there's no evidence that it's a dream. Like, there's a crashed car and, I, and a load She's of blood. She's crashed it. Oh, you think she's crashed? Yeah. Or not? Well, we don't know. We don't know. It's left unresolved like all these are in a really annoying way. Even <laughs> even sort of non-paranormal ones like the one we watched last week, Triangle Sadness, is left irresolved, isn't it? Or unresolved. So, yeah. I think we have to talk about what does this mean? We're talking about the evolution or progression of man or the, or the de- regression of man according to their lameness. I mean, it's explicit, isn't it? They become more and more lame, don't they? Can I just say, can I just say that, you know, before we watched this and when it was, I think you put it on the list or someone had suggested it, and I was not keen on seeing it because the description, which doesn't mention this horror ending really, does it? But the description of the film where this woman goes to a village to escape, you know, her trauma, domestic abuse and stuff, and she winds up in a village where all the men are played by the same man with the same face. It seemed to be saying something quite kind of straightforward about, you know, misogyny yeah. and how... I think maybe they try to say something about patriarchy and misogyny, but it doesn't come across like that. It comes across as supporting misogyny, I think. <laughs> I, I really do. I it's interesting. I mean, it's not the clear, only thing to say it? about that is th- th- that description of the film sounded quite uninteresting. Yeah. Because I mean, all I can do really, especially as a bloke, is go, 
I agree, it's terrible, you know. You never imagine men giving birth multiple times to cocoon <laughs> men from their, from their newly arrived green man vulva, did you? That didn't, no, that, no. admittedly that didn't come into my so, preconceptions about the film, yeah. A real Easter egg there, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. A real yeah, pagan I mean, Easter egg. A pa- pagan, yeah, yeah, true. Parthenogenesis. Look, look, for me, it's clear that, you know, the imagery is while man becomes progressively domesticated, that's why we have to go through the vicar enlightenment, you know, that kind of thing. Boy has sensitivities compared to the wild man, you know. Okay, so I'm I'm sure we're talking about the progression of man becoming more domesticated, but simultaneously becoming more either physically or emotionally lame. I think it's explicit. And it's coupled kind of, with what the vicar said, it seems to be the director saying, yes, this it, this damage is inflicted by women. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I mean, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not clearly denounced, is it, from any perspective? There's, there are no quotation marks around what the vicar's saying, you know. There's nothing, there's no authorial perspective there that just sets what he says in context. I think it's really unclear whether this is anti-misogynistic or misogynistic subtext, really. It's an interesting observation, this chilling observation. I mean, the best that you can say about this idea of portraying all the men with the same face is that there is a sense, right? There is a sense. All men are the same. Well, no, it's not. It's not as simple as that. Oh. It's that although although not all men are, you know, inherently domestic abusers, the idea is that through complicity or silence men enable other men to do you know terrible things and I, I, to an extent so that I mean, was the other that, that was the other image i thought it was trying to say is that men carry their pain in silence and so they can't they pass it on sort of thing to each other potentially he was trying to say that but, wow. but why the I mean, evolution that's... through time you know i don't know why take um, why, what why, relationship why? does this have to the green man and pagan i don't beliefs? know so that's the point do you want grizzly do you want scary? Do you want oddball? Do you want wacko? I think it's a mistake to throw it all in like this <laughs> in a, in for a no gumbo. reason. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like jump. It's like it's like it's like cinema jambalaya, isn't it? You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's just like also like it kind of had the feel of my older cousins when they graduated from university in the early nineties, kind of thing, or maybe the late eighties, and they turned up, you know, in these sort of very. Tweedy kind of uh, chintzy sort of northern trendy towns like York to start their job, you know, in marketing whilst reading Jane Austen and sort of buying a nice little house and sort of skipping through the garden making their own jam and kind of thing. It's got it's got this feel about I don't know, sort of uh, indie girls wearing Doc Mar- Martins in love with the British countryside whilst you know, whilst being independent kind of thing. It's got this weird sort of PJ Harvey album cover feel about it all that I can't quite encapsulate. It's quite a patronising kind of London-centric view of, you know, the uh, the rural bits of England as well, isn't it? It is, uh, yeah. In that sense. Because she's always deeply country. And, and, and Lady, you're deeply city too, you know what I mean? It's like, but then I think he might have been doing that to annoy us, I'm not sure. We seem to be shitting on this movie, Paul. So let's start by rating the acting. Uh, I thought the acting was maybe a strong point here. I'm going to give it eight. I can't really fault it. I think 
you know the no, I mean the young Rory's lady actor being asked to and... do a real a real job of work here. Yeah. Well, to work with ten men, you know. Exactly. I wonder if he got the salary for all of them. I mean, he's really pulling it off, despite what can only be described as a crazy script. It is weird. Yeah. So I will give it. I'll give it an eight for acting. Okay. Plot. I can't make head or tail of it, really. I mean, if you want a creepy kind of horror movie with a gory ending. When nothing really happens, then this, it's like this is it's fine. like Gawain and the Green Knight, isn't it? He goes there, he does something, he come, but well, he doesn't come back. <laughs> With this one, she goes there, <laughs> something happens. It's obvious what's going to happen, and then it's the end. You know, I mean, yeah. In that sense, it's simple. If you're trying to read something into the symbology, I mean, you're either going to love it because you're never going to come to any resolution, or it's going to make what well, have so many different interpretations. Plot, I'm only going to score it five. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you. I mean, I'll give it a six just because it does make you okay. think and talk we started about it. Started talking about this, but the third category has to be sexual politics along with symbology. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, there are no irony quotes here on anything that anybody says in the movie. I think you know it's supposed to come across as everything the men say is objectionable, and it's obvious that it's objectionable, and therefore. We should see all those that we should see all the actions in that light. But that's the kind of attitude that Martin Amis made about book reviewers that got you know his book taken off the bookers list, isn't it? I think we require clear, clearer signposting. Mm. Apart from the fact they all die, <laughs> uh, but there, there's no sense of victory, or there's no sense of victory in her part. It's like ah, yeah, you're dead now because you said those things. Why are they so fascinated with her femininity if they can reproduce parthenogenically? <laughs> I don't know. Well, or is that, that's the just, point. Is the reproduction simply a, a you know a metaphor about you know existing in a fever dream, or are we suggesting these are real kind of like alternative species, weirdy worldy, green nighty, weirdy worldy, magical animals? I mean, what? I mean, it's not clear, is it? Why is her husband the same as these weirdos? Is the that... pain, the pain, the pain. And this is the problem, you see. I mean, did she inflict pain? No. I mean, they brought the pain on themselves, didn't they? But that's never clearly shown to be the case at the end of the movie, is it? She did stick the knife in them. But she didn't. You know, they're delusional. But this is a fever dream. So, 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 so all that needs to be resolved in the modern world. We can't have movies going around like this. Can we? If you interpret this movie as happening in her psyche, as all in her mind, then what's that telling us about her healing process? I don't, I don't she know. She feels guilty about having sex with a naturist? Probably. She, yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't do after the bereavement uh, following a suicide? I mean, she's obviously going to feel guilty for her husband killing himself or dying in that way. But needlessly, it wasn't her fault. But obviously, it's, it's as natural as you would. Hmm. But. How is this curing her? I don't get it. I'm sorry, I don't get it. Symbology Paul. and sexual politics has to be a three from me. It, I'll give it a four. I'm slightly more generous, but... Okay. Jumps and scares. Did, <laughs> did it do the horror It's creepy you? enough. It's creepy enough. Some nice like creepy the, moments by the window, yeah. 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 And the gore as well with the hand, the special effects on the hands. Really cool. 
I just love seeing that. Somewhat incongruously juxtapositioned, though, the creep and the gore, I thought. It's kind of just flipped, didn't it, from one kind of movie to another. And the, the only special effect that didn't work was Rory Kinnear's face on the boy in the daylight. So I'll give it a seven for the... No, uh, when I saw the, the scores on Rotten Tomatoes and the rest of this, I thought, I'm not going to score it the same as them, but I find now, having given those scores I have, it's a 5.5 from me. That's overall? That's your overall, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Putting on the overalls... Mm, it is a five, yeah. Or I want to score no, it higher, it actually. I'll give it a six because I like Alex Garland. And there's and really good cinematography, isn't there? Yeah. Face there's a lot. There is a lot to like about it. I, it's just not. It's nowhere near as good. It's as unformed, ragged, and and somewhat scatterbrained. Compare it to Ex Machina. Ex Machina is a much better film. Yeah, focused, well scripted, yeah. with intention. This just yeah. feels like, you know, an indie indie sort of uh, indie promotional video thrown together in a couple of weeks, doesn't it? Let's move on to greener pastures with fewer dandelions in them. Let's, do, let's choose another film, Paul. That's what I would suggest. Put this behind us. Okay, we I've need got to go very, away well, yes. in the country to forget I, I, for Do you know, I want to score it high because I kind of... Actually, I'm going to change my score to six. It's okay to six. Join me. Join me on the six. Oh, did you go to six? Okay. Yeah, it's worth the six. It really is quite enjoyable in some senses. It's just ragged. Okay, so let's move on from this. Let's draw a very clear line in the sand and let me just give you these three choices. Found. Okay. This is sort of, you know, not time travel, or is it time travel? Child from forest becomes, you know, wolf boy becomes urban, urbanised, that kind of story. Interesting. Number oh, two, God, Guns Akimbo. I'm only choosing Guns Akimbo because I'm... Daniel I'm told, Radcliffe. Yes, I'm told with some authority it does involve Daniel Radcliffe. I'd like to see him do something other than Harry Potter. Finally, I've got no idea what this is. Fall. Or Fall. Fall is two girls up a very that tall That is Fall. Okay, so we've yeah. looked at these kind of working, full working metaphor movies where it's not just a pretty analogy. Uh, structurally, everything has to work in terms of physics, chemistry and biology. We've looked at High Rise. We've looked at the Triangle of Sadness. And we may be going to look at Fall in terms of working working uh, plots, uh, metaphors. I don't want to do Found after watching oh. The Green Man. I don't oh. think so. I'm going to reject that. Off, That's why I kind of chose so it's, it. It's like, you know, men from the forest kind of stuff. So it's down to Guns Akimbo, which uh-huh. I think is just a bit of fun. Ah. Uh. Or fall, and the way you just described fall makes it really sound really tempting. Yeah, let's do fall. Let's do fall. Let's do fall. I'm not trying to. I'm okay. not trying to persuade you. I just don't want to see Daniel Radcliffe all of a sudden. Oh, because of his association with J.K. Rowling. No, because you said it was just a bit of frippery and fun. I think it is. I don't know. I've not seen it, but it's on the list still. Okay. But for next week, we're going to watch fall. Wow. Thank you for listening. Do join us next time. And goodbye. Ciao for now. See you in the next one.